Welcome to the Mike O'Brien Show. Thank you, New Edition, for playing us in with the wonderful Candy Girl. I love that song. That's one of my favorite songs. Uh, my name is Mike O'Brien. I am in Boston, Massachusetts, with my fearless co-host, Jeff Taylor, down in Celebration, Florida. How are you doing today, Mr. Jeff Taylor? I'm doing great. Am I the only one that thinks about Selma Hayek doing the striptease and Dogma every time I hear that song? Um, I, I've seen Dogma. I do not remember the, the scene. I remember you telling me about it before. I do not remember the scene. I haven't seen Dogma probably since it came out on VHS. Well, it's probably the last time I saw Dogma. That could be a test that could potentially mean that uh, you may be, you know, you might like dudes. I, I well, I'm more, whenever people say Selma Hayek, I more think of uh, Desperado there with Antonio Banderas. Also and good. She, had, she has a, a, a quite a cinematic experience in Desperado, which I highly recommend everyone go and, and uh, but Desperado is a badass at, movie. At the but same time, scene too. at the same time, Google Selma Hayek Dogma, watch the uh, striptease. It's also very uh, titillating. I guess I could do that. Great, great use of words right there. So, um, Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Michael Bryan Show. Make sure you subscribe and you listen and you download and you tell your friends and all that great stuff so we can uh, get more listeners and then I don't have to be a tour guide anymore. That would be amazing is if we could make a living off of this, right, Jeff? Would you be a fan of that? I mean, I wouldn't mind making some extra dough off of this, but I my job makes me a living already. <laughs> that is true. Well, I make a living too, but I don't want to do five hour and a half long tours every day. No, actually, uh, if I could summer. sit and talk to you for a few hours a day and make a living, I'd be much happier with that. Obviously. That would be that would be great as well, too. We have a wonderful show today. We have Matt Votor. Did I pronounce Votor. that right, Jeff? Votor. 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 I'm I am notorious. I'm gonna make for a guess names. here. I'm gonna make a guess here and say that you mispronounce his name three times when we interview him later. Probably. That sounds that sounds about right. I think it'd probably be more than that. Uh but Matt Votor of Mattslive.com gonna talk about the Patriots and a little bit of UMass football and the, the, the future of UMass football, what's gonna happen with the new head coach Don Brown, uh that everyone's kind of excited about. Also, we have my wonderful friend Brad Ryder from Buffalo. I worked in Buffalo, New York in sports radio at WGR 550 for four months. I lasted in Buffalo, New York, but I came away with a great friend, Mr. Brad Ryder, a uh, longtime sports talk show host. He has he has a bit of the COVID, though, so hopefully he won't be uh, uh, sick enough to, uh, to get us sick through the, the, the uh, interwebs. Here. I have I not done the possible, research, but... Uh, but 5G and COVID, I mean, he may be able to send the COVID through the 5G and get I it hope to he us. wears a mask in his basement. I, I hope don't so know. Too. Gotta be, gotta be utterly safe for that. Yeah. But uh, I've had a, I've had an amazing uh, a week, nothing crazy story wise, but just little, little uh, snippets here and there. My new favorite thing is so I work for for the uh, tour company in Boston. We drive in circles, point at buildings. We're in the Charles River. We're everywhere. We're, we're Are driving. Are you not allowed town. to say the name of the place? I don't know. I'm just afraid of saying something. Everyone, if you're listening and you live in Boston, you know what it is. It, it's Boston Duck Tours. Fine. Yeah, I work for Boston Duck Tours. And anyways, yeah, I yelled at Steve Kerr. That's why I'm famous. Um, but I used to work during COVID. I got a job at the Nashua Street Jail as a jail guard, and you meet lots of people. 
And I already knew a lot of the homeless people because of Boston Duck Tours, because you see them driving around town. Uh, we're near the Prudential Center. We're near the aquarium. We're near, uh, you don't really see them at the Museum of Science, but between the aquarium, the Prudential Center, you just see all the famous homeless people. You know of the homeless people. When you hear that they die, you're upset because you're just like, oh, I love that guy that, that, did crazy stuff whatever they did and you because you, you like know them and so there's this guy that was at the jail and when they're in the jail they get sober they become normal human beings and you're talking to them and they're really nice people and i mean they're really nice people when they're all hopped up on goofballs on the street as well too but uh this one guy he's notorious for pushing his cart around I'd say he's about in his 50s. He has long hair, constantly wears sunglasses, big Hulk Hogan mustache. He's if you were if you were in the downtown Boston area, you know who this guy is. Uh, he sometimes comes to the north end where I live, pushing his cart around, yelling at everyone and anything, saying anything and everything, every word you could think of. This man just starts. He's screaming. uncancelable. It's crazy. You would think he, this guy would have been canceled by now. Nope. He's still going strong. Yeah. He just says he does whatever he wants. And sometimes you'll see him come up and there'll be a cop. And I was just like, oh, I haven't seen him for a couple of months. He's like, yeah, he took a vacation. You know, that means he went to jail. So when he was in jail, I, I got to know him and, and his name is John and he's a nice dude. And, uh, but then two days ago, I'm sitting outside golden goose, having my breakfast, which is in the North end. And he sees me, he just stops. And this is nine in the morning and he is all hopped up on God knows what I think on the, I think, I think on the booze and he just goes, Hey, I know you. And I'm like, I know, you know me, John. Uh, and when he was sober in jail, I went up to him. I was like, you're hey, the man. guy I walked around with holding his pocket. Yeah, no, no, that never happened. <laughs> but when he was sober in jail, I was like, John, why do you yell at everyone in the streets? Like, like you're actually a nice guy and you're kind of funny. Like, why do you? He's like, I never yell at anyone. Like he has no concept. Yeah. That let, he me, just... let me give you a little insight into John. He's crazy. Yeah, no, I know, yeah, yeah, but right, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but so like when he's yelling, no one's ever like, at least that I've seen, no one's ever like afraid. I've never seen him assault anyone. I'm sure he has, but do they give uh, him medications when they're in the jail? Yeah, they yeah. get all their. That's a thing. They that's get sober, why he's. They start that's, taking their. That's their why psych he's medications. sane when yeah. he's with you, and not exactly. sane when he's not. And so I see him yesterday. And he comes up and he's like, I know you. I was like, yeah, John, but I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go to work. I just, I'm like, I'm not sitting with you all hammered at nine in the morning. And then the next day I'm at Golden Goose again, eating my omelet. And he just sits down next to me and he's just like, what was your name again? I was like, Mike, I'm Mike. He's like, right. He's like, we're, and we just sat and he told me all about how he was at the Cape and and uh, just it's so crazy talking to a crazy homeless guy having breakfast with him. And then at the end, he's just like, hey, I was like, what? And he's like, can you go get me four espresso vodka snips? They don't serve to me in there. I was just like, you got it, man. But then they didn't have them. And I just got him two vodka nips because I didn't want to get him four. And then as I'm doing a duck tour, he just is all even more hopped up and uh, just starts yelling at me or trying to climb on the duck or something, because that's probably something he would do. But uh, it is pretty amazing walking around town now after knowing these guys from jail and then seeing them and then then recognizing you and immediately just acting like we what haven't seen each could other possibly since go wrong what could go wrong uh i'm gonna get my throat slit yeah i know are you go safer wrong. or less safe at this point you're on the radar um 
I don't know. I think as duck boats, because guys, they would be like in the jail. They're like, you're, you're, on, you were on the duck boats, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I was. They're like, I recognize you. You dress around like the crazy socks, right? And I'm like, yep, I was. I had the crazy socks, and they would know me. And now they know me. There's a couple guys in the North End, especially that they go in the because the National Street Jail is there awaiting trial. So they'll, they, you know, they get arrested for breaking a window or whatever, getting in a, a homeless guy fight in their bails, like 500 bucks and they can't pay it. So they got to wait until they go to court and then the judge releases them and then they're they're back on they're the streets back to doing their thing. They're back to doing their thing, just living life. So I just make sure I get them a couple nips and uh, stay and, on and the water. good side. What's that? Stay on their good side. Stay on their good side. Just be friends with the crazy homeless people. That's my that's my uh, advice to anyone living in a big city. If you see a crazy homeless people person, throw them a couple bucks. Ask them about their day. Treat them like a normal human being, and then you won't get mugged or punched or your throat slit. My philosophy is uh, ignore them as if they don't exist, and that seems to be working out for me so far, but I didn't work at the jail, and they don't know me personally, so that works for me. Mm. I uh, am getting up there in years, you know, I'm working on 50 at this point and I had to go get a Old physical, my yearly physical. It was funny. I got a text message and it says, oh God, can't believe it's uh, been a year. Seems like we just saw you yesterday, which is true because I go to the doctor a decent amount, but uh, I had to go get my physical and everything was normal at my physical, uh, you know, they checked my vitals they put the thingy on my back and I took the deep breaths and everything was going good. And, uh, I pretty much at this point know how physicals go. So I'm looking at the doctor as he's doing all of this stuff. We're having a little bit of a conversation and then he gets the look of dread in his eyes that it's time for me to drop trowel so he can make me cough and, uh, and check for a hernia. And so I stand up and start to unbuckle my belt and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I thought this was her, the hernia check time. And he's like, it, it's not. I was like, are you sure? Because I was getting the vibe that it was hernia check time. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 you're good. You're good. And uh, he's like, you got all your meds? Everything good? All right. See you later. And left. I uh, have never checked you for the hernia. No, I never got the hernia check. Did I ruin my opportunity to get the hernia check? Was he going to eventually do it? Or was that just not on the agenda? I've never had a physical that didn't involve a hernia check. Did you did you sexually assault your doctor? I feel like he may have thought this guy is way too excited for me to cup his balls and have him cough. I'm not going to do it. This is weird. Also, though, at 50, not only do you need the hernia check, which I don't even think. I don't need a hernia check. I don't but need a hernia check. You, you could, need to get your balls rubbed to see if you have lumps on your balls. I That's check myself what, constantly, dude. Yeah, I but constantly I have, have my the doctor pain. do it. I know, the but if there, knows. if there was anything off about, I know my balls better than any other part of my body. I've got my mm-hmm, hand down mm-hmm. my pants constantly. I'm Al Bundy from Married with Children. You, you can ask anybody that knows me. My hands down my pants if I'm sitting on the couch constantly. I don't need the hernia check either because. I know my strengths and weaknesses. I don't lift heavy things anymore. I'm good. I don't need that check. I just thought it was part of the process that this is what, when you get your yearly physical, they check to see if you've lifted things that are too heavy. Is that the only way you can get a hernia? No, you can get a hernia like sneezing. You can get a hernia getting up out of the chair wrong. You can get a hernia for anything, like, and you don't even know it sometimes. And all of a sudden, then well, you just the have this fist coming know, out of your stomach. If I don't know that I, ha- that I have a hernia, what's the problem with the hernia? I don't know. I think if you get a bad one, it can cause internal bleeding think, or something. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Well, if that's the case, then fine. I think it's just a, a long time joke. Some doctor 50 years ago was like, 
I'm gonna cup these dudes' balls and make them cough every time they come in. <laughs> I'm gonna well, see how so long they, they put up with balls it. Balls for the hernia, they check like around your groin and above. No, above they they your hold, area. they cup That's your balls and you cough. And if one of your balls goes in a different direction, you have a hernia. Oh, I thought that was there when they cut my balls. They're checking for um for tumors or whatever they, for, for they, lumps. If they if they're not that rolling too. around, if they're not rolling them around, they're not checking for cancer. My doctor. My doctor, who I love, but he's so bad. Like, he just, I'll be like, I started getting this, like, white dot on my nose. And I was like, hey, doc, I, I got this, like, white dot on my nose. He's like, it's fine. I was like, can you look at it? Like, just look at it. And, and something else, too. I thought I had a lump on my testicle. And I was like, hey, can you... um can you please check my testicle? I, I have something weird on it. He's like, oh, you're fine. And I was like, dude, touch my testicle. That's you know, what like, I would what have said, do? too. If you like, ask me to touch your testicles, the answer is no every single time. But he's a doctor. That's his job. But anytime I ever like say I think I have something wrong with me, he's like, oh, you're fine. I was like, just yes. look at it. He is a Can good doctor. Look at I, I'm he's going. Like, I'm going. I am going to represent the whatever the doctor's association is right now and say that he's a good doctor. Because if you're every time you go to your doctor, you're saying I have a problem. He's diagnosed yeah, he, you. You're a hypochondriac. I, I'm a hypochondriac. Everything I'm a is fine. Hypochondriac. Yes. And I'm not a hypochondriac like 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 uh, Brad who has COVID. I could be around Brad. He has COVID, and I don't care about. I'm like ah, I'm not gonna get that. It's things that it's are gonna it, kill you. It's when someone says if Jeff was like, oh my my uh, my buddy just got a brain tumor, and he said his like eye kind of twitched, and I was like, oh man, my eye kind of twitched like two weeks ago, and then I start <laughs> thinking that I have a brain tumor. My cousin Kate gets blood clots, and she started telling me about how her her like calf kind of felt weird once. I was like, I got a cramp in my calf the other day, and I'm like, oh no, and then I start thinking I have blood clots because the family member had blood clots, so is that my family and i'm just like it's the most outrageous things you could have the flu i could make out with you i don't care but you tell me that someone had cancer near you i'm like did i get cancer oh my yeah, god this typically thing feels weird. typically That's hypochondriacs move on from the cold and the flu pretty quickly they worry about larger oh, things that's me. I think I have brain cancer. Things at all that are times. less easily diagnosed is what the hypochondriacs. Uh, I thought you had brain cancer since pretty much the day I met you. By the way, <laughs> basically, <laughs> I thought I had a brain aneurysm last week. <laughs> yeah, I thought you had a brain aneurysm in twenty two thousand, and uh, yeah, I've never quite recovered for 20 from it. Years. One thing that's bugging, one thing that's grinding my gears currently is at my lady friend's place. Now in Boston, we don't have you like- You sent me a message about this and it was one of the, I felt like maybe you just told a story about how you'll tell a story and your lady friend will be like, what are you talking about? This is how I felt when you, uh, when you messaged when me. When I messaged this. I was this. like, well, uh, there's a bike, okay. Yeah. And? So there's there's my lady friend. Now, first of all, in Boston, like there are the luxury condos that are like hotels. In Florida, there's more of those like condo places where there's buildings and whatever in boston it's basically like three four-story like houses that turned into condos and stuff like that so they're really small the the staircases are narrow when you move in it's moving uh weekend here the, it's like uh, everyone's moving in and out because the lease has changed september 1st so hundreds of people are moving all over the place you can't get stuff in because the the, the the uh there's the u-haul trucks is, everywhere there's movers everywhere. everywhere it's crazy saying, it's crazy you can't get but, a u-haul near your place though right you can yeah oh you wow can. i surprised i have it's interesting it's that's very yeah. thin uh thin roads it's tough though but um so anyways the, the the hallways and staircases are very narrow like you can't 
you can't get stuff up there. When when my lady friend was moving, like we had to get rid of her couch because it just wasn't fitting in there. So someone moved in last week. I think they moved in to her place, which I basically live at. I basically live at her place. And uh, this person just left a bike in the hallway. And it, it takes up like half the hallway. Not to mention, too, that's where everyone leaves their FedEx boxes. Okay, let me let me let me move into uh, clarifying this for me personally, and hopefully this will help the listeners as well. Is the bike locked? No, the bike is not locked. Take it, move it, that, put it somewhere. Okay. So last night I was hammered. Came back from Capo. Everyone go to Capo on Wednesday nights. Uh, we do the comedy there. They do the hahas. Eight o'clock. Will Noonan runs it. It's a great show. But at Wednesday night, as I like to say, is my Friday. I get all liquored up on Wednesdays. And I come back. It's like midnight. Um, and a girl is coming in and who lives on the first floor. I know no one in this. I know no one in my building. I know no one in, in my lady friend's building. And she comes in and she looks at me and she's kind of liquored up. And she's like, is that your bike? Like if she could have said, is that your effing bike? Like she was grinding her teeth when she saw me because I was taking the trash out. Honey, I do like, I look like I have a bike? <laughs> hey, I had, I've had bikes. Okay. I am, I am fit. I blue bike. We've talked about the blue bikes. Yeah. So I go, no, but this is enraging me. And I want to just put it outside right now. Yeah. Who like to me is just like, okay, I understand your apartment small. Like everyone has the same apartment in her building. Everyone, like every apartment, when you go walk around the North end and you look at a building, every single apartment is the exact same one on each floor. And so we all know how big our apartments are. We all know there's no place for a bike unless you like hang it up on the wall. Even then it would be a pain in the ass. But what makes a person think that they can just leave their bike in the hallway for three days now, going on four days today, and just think that's fine? That person post- is no. going to leave that bike there for 365 days unless you get aggressive, aggressive with them and start putting the bike elsewhere. I'm not gonna, right now. I'm going to start by putting post it. That's passive aggressive. That doesn't work. Passive aggressive doesn't work. I'm gonna say please move. Mind you, I don't even live officially in this building. Like this isn't even my building. And I'm just like, oh my God. I want it. And me and this just if you put a post-it note on that person's bike, I hope they never move it. I'm rooting against you if you go passive aggressive. You're like an old woman. But I don't. But then I don't want to put it outside and then get uh, uh, charged with stealing a bike or something. You like didn't that. steal it. You moved it. Mm-mm. I I just I to me. Trust it's me. Just I've like used so, that excuse before, and it works. It is so rude that what this person is doing, and just to think like, yeah, no, this is okay. Like it's not even close to okay. It it's just not even close to okay, and it's enraging. And this girl that I was talking to last night was just we were and we we're doing the like because. It was right outside the other first floor apartment. So we're like, do you think it's that person? But we're literally right outside. We're drunk. We're like, do you think it's that person? I bet you it's that person. So we're like whispering, but we're loud at the same time. So whoever was in the the other first floor apartment could probably hear us if they were right there. But we, we were both basically planning on the plan of attack of when do we officially just leave it out on the sidewalk? Yeah. So here's another thing you could do, which I think is even better and more useful is they're leaving it in a community area. Make it the community bike. Whenever anybody needs to go to the store or something, just take it and bring That's it back. That's actually a great idea. Yeah. I did that in Montreal. Um, me and my friend, Jared, who's, who's a jerk. Jared's a jerk for everyone listening. Um, we went up to Montreal. We of course got inebriated and we're walking by this apartment complex and there was this bike that was 
very poorly locked and i go and i'm we're just walking by and i go and i grab the frame of the bike and i'm like dude this thing's gonna like come right off and it did and the bike the lock just fell off and i was like oh cool and so i just hop on the bike i'm hammered and i'm i'm just driving the bike around and where we're going did and you I'm put like, it back what? So we go back, we end up getting lost, come back in front of the apartment complex, and there's a security guard there. He's like, you stole that bike. I'm calling the cops. He's like, I didn't steal it. I borrowed it. I'm putting it back. And I just left it right <laughs> I back. told he's you. Like, that excuse works. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you stay right there. I'm calling the cops. I was like, call the cops. I left, I just grabbed the, I was like, I saved the bike from being stolen because they didn't properly. <laughs> what are you going to say? There was a bike here. <laughs> There's the no longer like, a bike. The bike's yeah. right there. The guy, the guy is speaking uh, like broken French and stuff. So I was just like, ah, see you later, man. He, he and I just kept the walking. White flag eventually. So luckily, I didn't get arrested in Montreal because that would have been bad. <laughs> Jeff, what else you had? You had something else you said. Yeah, you so to I talk moved about. my thermostat. My ther- I when I moved into this place, the thermostat was on a wall that clearly was meant to have like the TV and entertainment center on it. So when I put my entertainment center on that wall, it covered the thermostat, which doesn't matter because I have a Nest thermostat, which I use the phone. But I started Think to feel like me with your Nest thermostat. Yeah, I'm better than you. Well, yes, I for many reasons, but my Nest thermostat definitely pushes me over the edge of better than you. But mm. because of the fact that it was behind this piece of furniture, I started to think it was affecting the, its ability to gauge the temperature in the room. And so I decided I was going to move it. So I, you know, it went right through the wall out to my air conditioner in my garage. I popped the new hole. I moved the thing, but it left me with the hole that was there on the wall. Wait, I'm sorry. If I could stop you for a second. You have an air conditioner in your garage. That's where the air conditioner for the home lives. Oh, okay. I thought you had it. I thought air conditioning went to your garage. I'm not that I'm like, wealthy, but eventually when I can afford one, my garage will be air conditioned. Jesus. All right. Continue. I'm thinking I'm about sorry. putting a dehumidifier out there because it's very humid in my garage, which I don't like because I have a lot of stuff out there I would like to lack humidity. But I moved it and that left me with a hole in the wall that I now had to patch, which I'm very good at patching walls. Handyman Jeff. I've become very proficient at, at fixing holes in walls. I, I plaster over it and then I spray it with the knockdown. I can make it look like there was never a hole there. How then, often do you punch holes in walls, Jeff? I move stuff around walls all the time. Like I'm moving, oh, okay. like I run run wires for my speakers. I run new Ethernet wires. I do a lot of hole punching. But um, I finished all of the prep and I painted it. And it turns out that the paint wasn't the same color. Like I could tell it's lighter. And so I look at the paint. It's gray. Should work. Doesn't work. So I go out in the garage and I... I'm digging through all of the paint cans that I have and I find another color of gray and I paint on the wall and it doesn't match again. So I go back out there and I'm thinking to myself, I have kept none of these grays match what's in my house. I have 37 buckets of paint. Most of them have a quarter of paint or less in them. Is that an exaggeration or are you counting? No, I counted them afterward to, to justify my next move. My next move, I've bagged, I've gone through, I've matched them to, first of all, I was able to tell because I've moved a few times in my life. I was able to tell which ones are really old by where I purchased them. Like if they were in a certain part of town, that clearly didn't come from this house. So I immediately started getting rid of the North John Young Parkway Lowe's paint (laughs) buckets. And I I went from uh, 37 buckets of paint to four. Oh, that's a big... How do you dispose of... What is you take the proper it way? The, you take it to the, the dump and you tell them that you have paint and then they 
tell you you can go. You can take your paint, your batteries, like the stuff that you shouldn't be throwing away. You take those at that time, and, and it goes into a special area. I feel like the Florida way of disposing of paint is just pouring it in your uh, liberal neighbor's front yard and saying, "This is I'm done with this paint. This is your paint now." No, I just... I'm not. I I the I don't have a problem with any of my neighbors' politics. They they can be who they want to be, and I'm not going to dump paint in their yard. Although. I think what people used to do is put it in the drain out in the oh, like, yeah, road. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, but it says very, very clearly that the paint, that the the drain goes to the lakes around, and uh, I believe that, so there's no way I would ever dump anything in the drain. When you talk about dumping stuff in the drain, the Boston Harbor, when I took my whale watch, they were talking about how, like, it's like 35,000 gallons of sewage would be dumped in the Boston Harbor a day because it was just like, yeah, just dump it in the Boston Harbor until the 90s, until finally George Bush, it was one of his because he was going against Mike Dukakis. He said, I'm going to clean up the Boston Harbor. And he cleaned up the Boston Harbor and the Baltimore Harbor. And the number one is just like, oh, just stop dumping sewage in the harbor. And within like a month, it, it was like you could swim in the harbor by just not dump. It's like they yeah. didn't even have to. They're just like, yeah, just stop doing that. Yeah. And then they did. And they're like, oh, you can like swim in this now. It's fine. After like a month, it was pretty crazy to think about how quickly. Mother Earth is pretty powerful. She can clean <laughs> yeah. herself up pretty good as long as you don't stop. It's like if you have a cut. And you keep on like uh, throwing dirt on it and rubbing nasty, disgusting toilet water on your wound. It won't heal. The minute Why you do stop you do that? doing that, I'm saying if you did, I would never do that. But oh. it, the minute you stop doing that, you will heal. This is Mother yeah. Earth's the same. She can take care of herself. You just got to stop dumping crap into her wounds. Why are you assuming Earth's gender? Because that is very insensitive. Uh, well, Let whatever. Earth choose their own gender. They okay? can figure out exactly what needs to happen. If you stop dumping stuff into their wounds, they will heal themselves and they will be better afterward. That's very progressive of you, Jeff. Thank you. Well, I think we, we covered a lot of things today that are bothering us and changing our lives. And Jeff with this paint and me with my bike and homeless people. I think Jeff upset that the doctor didn't uh, grab his genitals i i think we went over a lot of things today jeff if i went to the the auto parts store to get a muffler and they didn't give me a muffler i'd be upset yeah. i went to the doctor to get a physical and i don't feel like i got a physical i'm upset you, i mean as long as they take your blood you guess you're you're fine in the long run that's all they True just that. take your blood and you're fine True that. but we have a wonderful show today uh, i mentioned it earlier uh, we have matt vator of masslive.com matt vator matt vator matt vator i'm really good at names matt vator of masslive.com he's gonna be talking about the patriots and umass and really looking forward to it. of course my friend brad Ryder, buffalo uh, WGR 550 fame and uh, other sports talk radio stations in all of Buffalo. Really looking forward to it. Like I said at the beginning, please uh, like and subscribe our wonderful uh, program here. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It helps subscribe, us exponentially. Subscribe. We don't care what else you do. You don't have to review us. You don't have to tell us we suck. Just subscribe, please. Just subscribe. Just subscribe. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, but my friend Jared will probably say we suck because he's a jerk. We do. But anyways, yeah. Anyways, uh, like I said, Matt Vitor, MassLive.com, Brad Ryder coming up. We're all really looking forward to this show. Uh, I, I know you'll enjoy it. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Matt Vitor of MassLive.com. 
thank you for coming back with the Michael Bryan show. Jeff Taylor down in Orlando. We are with very special guest Matt Vitor from MassLife.com. I have followed you my entire life between uh, your, your high school sports coverage, your UMass coverage, and now you're in the NFL covering the New England Patriots. Uh, uh, I always enjoyed your work. Thanks for coming on the show, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, the, the Patriots season, almost like last season, no one knows what's going on here. Uh, last season had some promise. They had the, the, the 10 games where they're going to the Super Bowl and everyone was excited. And then the wheels fell off and they got destroyed in negative five degree weather in Buffalo, New York. And uh, now we have no idea what their offense is going to happen. Uh, you have Matt Patricia, who just uh, made a fool of himself really in Detroit uh, as the offensive coordinator now. And we have no idea really how this season's gonna gonna come about. What what are your thoughts on the upcoming season after uh, after preseason is finishing up here? It's it's certainly strange, and it's and the fact that the Patriots like to keep like to not be transparent about anything, or really Bill Belichick likes to not be transparent about anything, heightens the strangeness of it. Um, you know, Matt Patricia did not do a good job in. Did not do a good job in Detroit. Joe Judge did not do a good job in the Giants, but conceivably they were both good assistant coaches. Uh, you know, it's always hard to tell exactly how much impact guys like that have, but in different roles. So, can they be uh, offensive coaches? It's not impossible. It just seems unusual. Like there are ways to utilize these guys where they've been successful before. I really thought. I really thought going into the. Uh, that going into the offseason, that Bill O'Brien was going to be the guy what, that, that they'd that they'd figure out bring Bill O'Brien back, and that would be a, a, a natural thing. I'm curious how much Bill Belichick might be the person calling plays on this. So I'm. They have not looked good. Uh, I'm not. They didn't. They didn't look good at the beginning of last season, offensively either. I'm legitimately curious. At, at, at this point and you know what happens in september they have a soft october if they if if they can come through and be decent in september and then and then kind of get things rolling a little bit in october maybe there isn't cause for panic but what they've done is if things don't get better they they've looked like they've set themselves up to be to be bad from the beginning and that that's it it just seems unnecessary it does. It's very, it's a very odd, just with even the, the players that they they've picked up in free agency last year, they spent all this money. And then coming into this year, they're just like, ah, we're fine. How we are horrible. First round draft picks uh, the past couple of years between Sony, Michelle, Nikhil Harry. And, and I mean, Cole strange, you never know. He's a, uh, he's a guard. So who knows what could happen with him? He could end up being the greatest guard of all time. And if someone told me that, I'd be like, okay. And if he was horrible, I'd be like, okay, I don't, you know, who knows what, what could happen with that. But with Mac Jones, it seemed like we got something there with Mac Jones and, and, who knows with all this uncertainty with the coaching staff, it just, it's just priming for a disaster with a young quarterback coming into his second year. Well, let me say this real quickly. Uh, Bill Belichick knows a little something about becoming the head coach after being an assistant and going to a dumpster fire. So maybe he doesn't think that Matt Patricia's time in Detroit is indicative of his ability. So he's getting another shot and potentially depending on Matt Patricia, I think he, has a good football mind, and I think there's a possibility that he could be a good NFL coach 
somewhere other than somewhere that you cannot be successful. Yeah, there, it's definitely it's an interesting thing too. How many guys are better that second time around? Pete Carroll's a good example of that too. Pete Carroll, not a good NFL head coach until he got to Seattle, and and really and really cut his teeth effectively at USC to do that. Bill Belichick is is obviously the ultimate example of that. Um, but yeah, is Matt, is Matt Patricia have a good offensive mind that he's never used before? Is this, um, is this a, a, a personnel? It really does feel like with all of this, if the offensive line comes together, that a, a, a lot of these things get better, that, that you, that the question of who's calling plays and, and the difference in the offense feels a lot less urgent if they if the run you know if, if the offensive line gets going and the running game gets better and Mac Jones gets a little more time I Mac Jones for for is you know he's not the greatest physical specimen as a quarterback but he's he's a smart guy and he's an accurate guy if you give him time there are things that he'll do that'll be effective but and and if the running game is going that opens things up for him that much more but it sure doesn't look uh, sure doesn't look like it right now. Well, I'm hoping that uh, the running game gets going and they, unlike the past, rely on one guy because I have Ramondre Stevenson in my fantasy league. <laughs> totally, totally, totally fantasy, fantasy. Thing going on. Yep. As much as I love fantasy sports, I mean, this is kind of uh, the hack question. How much do you think fantasy sports, as Jeff just said, that is almost ruining uh, football because it's it, people aren't breaking down teams anymore. They're breaking down players and how they help their team as opposed to the main, you know, the main team. People are upset that the Patriots have two good running backs. Why can't they just have one running back? You know, like it, it's amazing. <laughs> Ruining. I don't know. I, I think that like, I know for me, the combination of fantasy and red zone are, are, oh, yeah. is, is it's the ultimate short attention thing. So um, it's, I don't know. It's it's a way to it's a way to feel like you have a stake in every game. I, I think you're paying attention more to every game you see. Of you see, uh, um, let's say for example, the Colts have 21 points early, and you're just looking up at the ticker, and your immediate thing is like, Jonathan. I have Jonathan Taylor. Did you did did he score any of those? And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, you're right. It probably dilutes the purity of it. But it certainly, I think, in, in increases the increases the interest to, in games that you wouldn't care. Absolutely, wouldn't, because yeah. I have a rule that I will. I'm a Washington Commanders fan. I will not own a Washington Commanders player in my leagues because I don't want to die by them or live by them. So my interest in the entire league grows exponentially. I might not know who Ramondre Stevenson was if it wasn't <laughs> for fantasy. I had him last year. He's a keeper. But Mike O'Brien uh, was surprised that I knew who he was last year talking about this is going to be the guy in New England. It's a strange moment, though, when you hear Brian Robinson gets shot and your first thought is not, I hope he's okay, but what does that mean for my fantasy team? Yeah. <laughs> Which who's his, who's, who's going to get more carries now because he got shot? Yeah, isn't that well, amazing? Uh, that luckily nuts. for me, I don't have him in any of my leagues. Yeah. He, uh, from what I hear, he's going to be just fine. He's, he's, I don't know if he'll be in those first few games, but, uh, he will play this season. It's just a flesh wound. He'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, they put him on IR today. So he's out for the first four 
Could be back in week five, depending. Yep. As you're talking about fan interest during the during the preseason, fans, uh, I don't know if it's like this for every, I think it's like this for every team, but fans can go watch the practices and going to a Patriots preseason practice for the past 20 years has been an event. I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of people there. This year, how has the turnout been coming off a, a, a playoff game where they get destroyed in Buffalo and uncertainty. And it seems like people are more upset with the Patriots now than I've ever experienced in my entire life here, other than, you know, the Scott Zolak before Drew Bledsoe era. But uh, it's, it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing how people are starting to pump the brakes on the Patriots with their, with their, I guess, hope and, they're going to be good. A lot of people are saying they're not going to be good. Were, were people still coming to practices? So for the days that, for the days that that I, I went and I, I'm Chris Mason, who's our, our beat writer, could probably give you a better. But the days I went, it was de- there were definitely people there. And I think as much as anything, it, it was a little bit reflective of. Uh, first of all, there's some people that just love football and they just get excited about football, and that's a chance to see Patriots closer than than you would in in. In any other scenario, there was the, the joint practices with Carolina, which which make it a little, you know, give it a little bit more of a competitive feel. But on top of that, that was all happening at the same time when the Red Sox were really imploding. So if you were a sports fan, you were pretty happy to turn the page to football at, mm. at, at that at that point. The same way, if the Patriots struggle, people are going to be very excited for the start of Celtic season. What is what is uh, covering sports now post? covid like you're 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 able to not you don't have to be at all these events anymore now with all the zooms and all the stuff and i mean you can you can almost it's all you did you get the other way i'm the other way you have to be there the zooms are about the zooms so for me as a for me as a columnist where i can where i can talk like where i'm dipping into and out of uh, out of several sports the zooms are valuable to sort of be on top of sort certain things but to to really do to really do a good job, the face to face stuff is so valuable because you yeah. can ask multiple questions in a row. Whereas on a Zoom, you you gotta get your one question in and hope you get a good answer. Hope that hope the subject interprets that question the way you you want it interpreted to answer it, or you or you might be stuck. Sometimes you don't get your your question in at all, and it's not it's it's you know depending on the team, it's the the way they structure them is is different, but it's it's a challenge. And so. To be, but I was in the you know in the Patriots locker room yesterday, and I'm I'm heading there actually right after right after we talk today, and I, I'd like to actually talk to I'm, I'm hoping to talk to Devin McCourty a little bit today about and uh, and Matthew Slater about did you watch Serena Williams last night? Yeah. Whereas they're both aging athletes, and and in Slater's case from L.A. like the like the Williams sisters, you know, is this something that you? feel invested in seeing, you know, seeing greatness, even across another sport. And that's something you can't get that in a zoom because you you want to ask several things. So no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that well, uh, the NHL and the NBA haven't, haven't totally announced what they're doing yet, but I'm glad for baseball and for football right now, that things are, things are pretty much back to normal. Yeah. The one year I actually got to, the privilege really of covering a, uh, a, a sport was uh, the Orlando magic Tracy McGrady's last year and the games were, especially cause they sucked, but the games <laughs> weren't even like the part of it, the getting there for shoot around. And you're literally just hanging out with these NBA players, just talking about anything and be getting relationships. And then, you know, a month before 
through Tracy McGrady's uh, friend who would go to every game. He's like, Tracy McGrady's gone after this. He's going to get traded and he wants to go to the, and then he was telling me these things because sure. we would just hang out at shoot around. And if I had a Twitter account back then, I would be breaking that <laughs> Tracy McGrady is going to demand a trade and is going to be leaving the Orlando magic. And, but back then there's, I, I didn't know how the internet worked. So now I'm just doing a podcast for 75 people. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It's, it's, the it's sometimes it's the conversations that you have the conversations that you have that aren't important that lead to the ones that, that are important and and none of that happens on zoom yeah you also don't get the feeling like if there's a if there's a, a feeling that things aren't going well you're not going to pick that up on a zoom meeting but it, you can feel the energy in a room when you're face to face with these guys or when you're at a practice and you're talking to these guys there's a lot to be said about being there in the moment where you can actually pick up on vibes and think this guy's not happy with how things are going. You won't pick that up on a Zoom. And for sure. And so and sometimes on a Zoom too, whoever's asking the question before you might ask something that that irritates whoever whoever it is. And all of a sudden you're asking a question that you're looking for a thoughtful answer and they're mad already. And they're not, you know, you're not getting a you're not getting the same the same sort of sort of thing if that if that person's already annoyed at, at what was asked what was asked before that and then, and whoever's asking that that's certainly their uh their their prerogative but if you're looking for something you, you can certainly approach it better when 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 you can look somebody in the eye luckily like luckily for you you're up there in uh new england you don't have to worry about anything ever bothering bill belichick i mean no questions ever <laughs> irritated right. him. When someone asks Bill Belichick a ridiculous question, do you all in the room cringe and be like, oh, no, why did you like who was the person who asked after they get rolled about his uh, his New Year's resolutions or something like that after a bad and you're just like, why did you just do that? Like you just ruined it for all of us. So there's definitely some of that um, that the the woman that asked that question is not a sports writer. And no, it was just, it was just like it was just like show up. I'd practice and ask that question. You don't need to ask that question right there, right then. And he was actually a little more reasonable with her than, than he maybe could have been in some, in some scenarios. But, uh, we all, every, we're all snobs about, about question asking. Everybody makes fun of everybody else for, for if they're, if it's a, if it's a, uh, if it's a bad question, but as far as Bill goes, Sometimes a good question gets a stare down. Sometimes a you know, sometimes a totally reasonable question strikes him the the wrong way. And I think as soon as people realize, so what? It's going to happen sometime. Yeah. It's going to happen that that he's that he's going to uh, he's going to be going to be grouchy about something. And 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 sometimes he'll and sometimes he's fine. You you kind of um, you kind of have to know when. To, we always joke that Friday that Bill Belichick you you'd think on Fridays with the game closest that it would be the worst time to ask a good question, but he actually talks more on Fridays. You can get better information about stuff on a Friday than, than at almost any other time. There's a rhythm to it and, and you, you figure it out after a while. But if you're afraid of getting Bill Belichick annoyed it or give you kind of a, a nasty look, you're in the wrong business. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, Matt, as we're wrapping this up, uh, I know you're not covering UMass, but you know, of Don Brown, and I'm a huge UMass fan, and it's just what's happened. I mean, my one of my best friends is the defensive line coach, Valdemar Brower. I grew up with him, known as a preschool. I'm very invested in this season, in this team, and it's just so 
discouraging to know that they're just going to be bad and they're never going to get in a league. And why would, if you're a player, they're about to get some really good cornerback. And then he was basically like, why, why would I go to UMass? Yeah. They're not in a league. I'm not going to, what am I playing for? What, do you ever see any hope with UMass football, especially with Don Brown? I mean, I'm excited about Don Brown, but do you see any hope of this ever, ever amounting to anything with UMass football? The thing about Don Brown that I think is encouraging is that, well, there's two things. Uh, one, if you look at the most impressive coaching job he's ever done was Northeastern. Yeah, Northeastern that was amazing. Was, it, 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 and it was as horrible a situation on the FCS level as UMass looks like on the uh, you know on the FBS level with without a league, um, UMass has since added uh, apparently the other day added bowl tie-ins with the connection to ESPN, which was which is a huge thing for them. The other thing about Don Brown that that's that's important is I've never covered a college coach, basketball, football, whatever, whose guys loved playing for him more than Don Brown has. When UMass won the 1AA championship in, in 98, they dumped the Gatorade on Don Brown before they dumped it on Whipple. Oh, wow. It was, it, it was, it, he's, he's a guy that really inspires loyalty in, in his players. And so, even, so there'll be a percentage of guys that you might have lost to the transfer portal, which is going to be a thing everywhere, that he's – he gives you a better chance of keeping that you're not going to keep all of them and you're not in and, and you're going you're to lose in in that situation if you have a guy with that has a great sophomore year at umass there's a really good chance he's going to end up at auburn there's a yeah, really yeah. good ch- chance that he's going to you know end up at uh at michigan state that those things are just going to happen now but you might keep a guy um because of what they you know because of what they think of 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 don brown you're going you might keep a couple more guys and that helps that helps the building process. As far as a league goes, I have no idea. I'm I'm fascinated to see what any of this is all going to look like when they, you know, as the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, I think I think you're worried if you're BC, what your league situation is going to is is going to be. If you're Syracuse, what your league situation is going to be. Like those schools are going to have leagues, but what is what is the ACC? You know, what is, if? Um, What's the ACC going to be if the SEC eventually grabs Clemson and you know, Florida State? And Florida State, yeah, yeah. and it, Miami. Like, like there, it's it's starting to look like that the elite of college football is going to be forty teams, twenty, you know, twenty in the SEC, twenty in the Big Ten, and 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 then whatever, then then whatever else is is the it, there's a constant. It's it's funny because they don't call it one A and one AA anymore, but it, there's a constant sort of evolution in college football toward you know, what's the top level and what's the second level and it's moving. It's like right now, the, if, if you were to classify the Mac is one double a by, yeah, yeah. by comparisons, because you have, you have, you could go undefeated in the Mac and you're not going to play in it and you're not going to play in the playoff. And so, and, and let, so it's, how does the playoff situation change? How does the co- conference expansion change? And, and UMass is, is not one of the early dominoes. So there's so many things that you're going to, to, to see and see. And how do the, you know, what, what happens to BC, what happens to Buffalo, what happens the, the schools that schools that, that you're, that you're looking at and saying, these are schools you want to play that you want to be part of, uh, you know, rivalry situations with what, what happens elsewhere is going to really impact what happens with, 
with UMass because they're not going to be in the Big Ten. They're not going to be in the SEC. And so, what is the what, what's the goal? What's the dream situation with those two out of play? No idea. I, honestly, I have. I'm not. I still. I still follow it, the the sport on on a uh, on a macro level, and I mean I, I'm actually as as kooky as this sounds. I, I'm a you know I'm a University of Colorado fan. There you and, go. And which who is as much in jeopardy as anybody else through this whole process. Yeah. And and you know there, there's schools that have won championships, including Colorado, that that have that don't know what's what's going to happen next. So I. I don't know what the answer for 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 UMass is. I do think the present is better with Don Brown, and things go in a better direction with Don Brown because I th- I think he's a really good football coach. Well, thank you so much, uh, Matt Viter, talking everything UMass, the Patriots. What, what before we let you go? What what are your thoughts on the Patriots season? Like a record wise, playoffs. What do you think is going to happen here? I just submitted it for our our preview. Our I'm always a bit of a wise ass on the, on these. I just submitted it for what we have to guess uh, the four people that are actively involved in Patriots coverage on our staff. Uh, I said they were going to go eight eight and one, just because it would be funny <laughs> to pick it. Would be funny to yeah, yeah, to yeah. pick high, and I do think they're going to be looking at their schedule. I think they're going to be right around five hundred. And if you're saying they're nine and eight, that's well, they're almost in the wild card at nine and eight. If you're saying they're eight nine, well, they're under five hundred. That's a bad season. It's one to one game swing. Yeah. So, for my my own amusement, I put them at eight eight and eight eight and one. And I I do think it's going to be right around. I think I do think it's going to be right around that. That's sadly what I think as well. Well, thank you so much, Matt Vitora. Go to uh, the Patriots uh, Patriots practice. Get yelled at by Bill Belichick <laughs> and have a have a wonderful no, afternoon. No media availability for Bill today. I'm safe. Ah, that's too bad. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the Michael Bryan Show. Matt Vitor of MassLive.com. Follow him on the Twitter machine and all his uh, social medias and read all his articles at MassLive.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Welcome back to the Mike O'Brien show. We are here with the world famous news segment, my favorite segment, going over everything, uh, stories of, of American sports and just America in general with one of my favorite people I've worked with up in Buffalo, New York. I spent four months in Buffalo, New York, working for WGR 550 as a producer of the show for the Bulldog show. But I came away with a wonderful friend, Mr. Brad Ryder, longtime uh, sports talk host in Buffalo, New York. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm good. I knew it was fast. It was really four months. It was four months. It was the entire, it was from August. And then I left after I stayed after Christmas because my buddy who worked for the bills, my roommate, he, he was, he was the beer uh, order for all of a Ralph Wilson, Wilson stadium. Busy got guy. Me and my friend, he's the guy. He got us uh nice free tickets for the bills uh, Patriots game. And okay. we got hammered. And uh, one of my favorite stories is I couldn't stop swearing because I was so drunk. And this guy next to me is like, hey, can you maybe slow off with the swearing with my kid right there? I was like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. And then I was just like, when the F are they going to put Flutie in? And the guy looked at me, he goes, he's been playing for half this quarter. <laughs> and I was just like, right. OK. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, it was a wonderful it was a wonderful uh, experience. Uh, those four months in Buffalo. And I, I love it. I, I love Buffalo. Going to a Buffalo Bills game is one of my favorite experiences, and everyone should do it before they tear down the stadium and make a new, awful new one. That is going to suck. 
Yeah, there's no need for that. We're no, you, Keep, you know, we're, we're, we're people of the earth, salt of the earth type of thing. We got exactly what we need. Um, I know that my sensibility doesn't necessarily match with that of corporate America and the NFL and all the greed. It's, I, I know I'm wrong, but the reality is you can't walk out of that stadium, especially now. And, you know, you haven't been here in a while, but not the team's good again. That place is just incredible to be a part of. And I don't want it to change at all. I understand it's going to. Oh, well, life moves on. But um, I like I, it as is. I went to the playoff game the, where the Bills killed the Patriots. I was drunk and bought tickets. And before I realized it was going to be negative 20 degrees, I think I asked you if you wanted to go. And you're like, hell no, I'm going, not going. You know why I didn't go? The game was on TV. As it turns out, that game was on television. So yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Instead, I drove eight hours out to Buffalo to to get pissed drunk and sit in negative five and park in someone's front yard, which is, that's the best thing. If you ever go there, it's in the middle of a neighborhood. People are like just standing outside. Like you could park and ruin my, destroy my front yard for $10. You park in someone's yard for $10. that lives right next to the stadium and you just get hammered in their front yard, piss everywhere, and then just get out and blow donuts in their front yard and leave. And then yeah, they, you're out. they rent like porta johns and have them in their driveways and they treat it like it's a business. I mean, that's, that's part of buying real estate near the stadium is knowing that you've got that, in, excuse me, that income for, you know, at least uh, eight games and potentially more. Uh, so it, it you know, cuts nice into your mortgage. We'll give yeah, you but, a, we'll give you a break on the coughing, Brad, because yeah, we know that uh, I'm, uh, you're I'm afflicted with you're afflicted I'm with disease. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I please had, uh, explain what happened to you, Brad. Why are you uh, coughing? Well, okay. So this past weekend was, I think, the 23rd consecutive year for my fantasy football league uh, of all the guys I went to college with. And we get together in Saratoga, New York, which is where the racetrack is. And we do our draft. And some years we golf. Um, and we always go to the track. And it's fun. And uh, this year we had, it's 14 guys plus. We have relegation, so whoever finishes in last has to run the auction the next year. So we got 15 dudes all together, and uh, it turned out to be a super spreader event because as of right now, five of the 12 of us have tested positive for COVID. Um, and then like one of my kids, one of the guy's wives. So we're up to seven victims of our draft, but it was a good time. I have a good team. I'll probably win, uh, but I've got a little disease to contend with first. So I currently live in my basement. Who went number one overall, Josh Allen? We do the auction draft. Uh, oh, I mean, good. Josh Allen was the, the story. It, the way it works, there, so there's four of us that come in from Buffalo. And even when the bills have been bad, which is most of this 23 years of the thing, um, it's always funny because guys know that the Buffalo guys are going to fight over the, the bills players. There's always, you know, there's always one. As bad as the bills ever are, you know, Eric Moles was a good player or whoever. You know, there's always somebody. You go, you um, go back to like overpaying more. for Rob Johnson days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody always goes for way more. Um, but now that the Bills are really one of the stories of the league, and Josh Allen's one of the stories of the league, I, I mean, he could have, it's a $200 budget for each team. He could have gone for 80 bucks, and it wouldn't have shocked me. But I just sat out of the Josh Allen thing. I, that was my move this year, was I, sit out of all the Buffalo stuff. I am also in an auction league. Bucks. I paid $72 for him last year. Did you really? Yeah, I really player. believe in him. He's he, a lot of fun. And, but the thing he is, let me I down. Going, he let me down I, last year. He let you down? I mean, for what I paid for him, he didn't have a well, phenomenal Josh Allen season. He didn't have what yeah. I needed. All right, all right. Yes. I mean, seven, you paid too much. I did. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, 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 it's a two, it, let me, let me, let me, before I sound like an idiot, it's a two quarterback league. So you have to get one of the great guys and then you yeah, can supplement okay. with an okay guy. All right. Fair enough. 
Um, I lost what I was trying to say, but it probably wasn't any good. Well, let me jump back to to the the uh, Buffalo Bills getting a new stadium. The reason sure. I don't think the Buffalo Bills need a new stadium is because Buffalo Bills fans are actually football fans, and the new stadiums are literally being built to accommodate people who could not care less about football. They want right. the experience. They have places where you can go and enjoy yourself. And there's like a 20-inch screen TV off in the corner so they can count that you're still at the game. But a lot of people are not going to watch football. I've been to the new uh, Cowboys stadium a few times. And I think to myself, who, who's paying to come and be in this part of this stadium where you have no idea that there's a football game going on? But I think that's what they're going for these days, even in baseball stadiums going for the non-caring portion of the people that pay for tickets. What's weird is there is a part of upgrading technology that caters to the real fan. Like putting television screens above urinals sounds stupid, costs a lot of money, but is for the fan who can't... The choices are sit here and piss myself or get up and, and go, but I don't want to miss the game. So like, the, I get how it can be helpful, but all these like, clubs that you can't get into unless you've got the $500 ticket. And that, that is not Buffalo, New York no. at all. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, they still, have the, they still have the troughs at, at Ralph Wilson, if I recall. I think they still, oh, they sure some of the bathrooms still have troughs. First, first time I ever went to a game, I remember, you know, walking in with my dad. I'm eight years old, seven years old. I don't even know. And I had never seen a sink where it's that like semicircle sink and you step on it to make the water come out. That was really fascinating to me as a little kid that you could step on the thing and make the water come out. I was like, what is that? That Well, it's actually a sink. You stop here. And then we went back to the bathroom at halftime, and it was not a sink anymore. It was a giant urinal where 17 <laughs> dudes were peeing at the same time. My dad's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> Buffalo was just like the, my favorite, one of my favorite stories going there. I forgot what game. It was, it was a Bill's Patriots game, and there was just a sandwich, of a Ziploc sandwich, and it said Sue on it, written on it. And I was like, Sue. Sue dropped their sandwich and I threw up the sandwich and the guy in front of me grabbed it and everyone just yelled, Sue. And there was like, you mean you getting into a Buffalo Bills game is just like, it's just debauchery. It's just people being dragged in from the parking lot. People can barely stand. And everyone, thousands of people just start yelling, Sue, and the sandwich makes it all the way to the front. I have no idea if Sue ended up she getting did. her sandwich. She got her sandwich back, guaranteed. <laughs> But Wrong it's just too, but that was okay. It's it's unbelievable. Tickets are dirt cheap, and you can, it's just it's amazing. And it's such I love you right on the field. It's such a great play. Every stadium should be built like uh, Ralph Wilson or New Era, whatever it's called now. But uh, it's such a great stadium. And the fact that they're gonna like the where the Patriots play Gillette. You guys are talking about those seats. There's the red seats. You see them on TV. There's just red seat. It's a, it's a a bar you walk in to go i went to i was i sat there for a taylor swift concert it was amazing but uh no one sits in the seats there's just empty red seats right at the from the 20 to the 20 in the middle of the field and if they're on tv just empty the entire time because everyone's inside just watching it on tv and it's just like why did you even come yeah 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 i don't i don't know i don't i don't i don't want to live in that world but eventually we will i guess here in buffalo i mean Hopefully not in Toronto either. How about you guys make, how about you make our side of Niagara Falls better than the Canada side before you start building stadiums? I think it's getting better. There's no need. There's no need to ever go up there. I mean, you you drive, when tourists are in town, we go, like I had friends in town. I went on the Maid of the Mist for the first time ever. I'm 40, Hmm. what am I, 47 or 48 years old? I don't even know how old I am. That's cool. That's all right. 
Um, but it took until last year when I had friends in town to even venture into Niagara Falls. Went there as a kid, have seen it. I'm not impressed anymore. And it's stupid because I should be because, you know, wonder of the world. And it's really amazing to look at. And I did fly over it in a helicopter and that was cool. But that was cool because of the helicopter. It's just you just grow so accustomed to it. Like, you know, Mike, you're in Boston and you you could walk past. You probably do like the, the USS Constitution daily. Yeah, that thing is amazing. It's but amazing. You just not I, seeing it because it just becomes a part of what you're used to. And that's it wakes kind me of what up. Niagara Falls is. Eight o'clock. That's my alarm clock is if I sleep past eight o'clock, the Constitution wakes me up with the cannon. Yeah, I, I can see it from my girlfriend's uh, my girlfriend's place. It's it's the only it's time still, it's, was, it's still awesome. It's awesome. I was I, supposed to be on the Constitution when I was in Boston as a kid, and the day we went, it was closed because of a bomb threat. Jesus, so I've never been there. What you couldn't fight to- back? You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I feel like we should be able to fight back. Yeah, right. Yeah. Last was it two Sundays ago? Me and my lady friend, we went out to like it was just day drinking on a Sunday, and we walked by the Constitution. I was like, let's do the tour. I haven't done it in years, and we did it, and it was awesome. Like it's yeah, it's it's amazing. But when you said Niagara Falls, I remember the first time I went to Niagara Falls, I was so pumped. Drove up there when I lived in Buffalo. I'm like, I'm going to Niagara Falls for the first time. You just kind of look at it, and you're like, all right. Yeah. And I just got back in my car and I drove I back to New York. I couldn't disagree more with you. I did the Made in the Mist tour and you go out there that. and it's incredible. You can walk behind it and you feel the power of Mother Nature. I find it incredible. And I went at a time when it was nice and, and, and Buffalo warm. I want to go back now when it's Buffalo cold and there's snow all around and the mist hangs over it. I want to see it. I, it's funny because I have uh, kids in their 20s. And it, getting them to go to Disney was like pulling teeth because it's the same thing down here, which sounds incredible to people. But I would literally say, hey, you guys want to go to Disney today? And they'd be like, no, I want to play with my friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's I, I went to the Grand Canyon and was unimpressed. I mean, really? I, I love the Grand Canyon. I'm sure it's great. But just the day that I went there, I went and I looked I'm like, yep, that's the hole in the ground that I've seen pictures of my entire life. Can we go somewhere else now? Like, they I just, really I should start calling this the canyon. There's nothing <laughs> grand about this at all whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, thought I, was, I was way more impressed with the Grand Canyon than I was with Niagara Falls. When I, when I worked as a concierge in Boston, this, uh, this Chinese couple came up to me. They said they were from China. I'm not just assuming. They said they were from China, and they said, we want to go to Niagara. They just thought like Niagara Falls was close by. And I was like, well, it's like eight hours away. And they said, should we go to it? And I said, well, if I was in China and eight hours away from the Great Wall of China, would you tell me that I have to travel eight hours to go see the Great Wall of China? And they said, great example. And they said, no. And then I said, well, then I wouldn't go to Niagara Falls. And they didn't go to Niagara Falls. So I was really underwhelmed with the Grand Canyon the first time I saw it. But then I pushed the guy next to me in. And man, yeah. did it become something incredible. Then, yeah, once you get that memory. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is really, really far. That yeah, guy fell a long like, way. That is quite a drop right there. Wow, never forget that one. Yeah. Well, as we are rambling on about great, uh, amazing places to visit in the Buffalo area, <laughs> I think we can talk about something that Buffalo uh, knows well about, horrible draft picks, <laughs> which uh, the Raiders have just been excelling at in the past two years, really Uh, last year's draft pick 2021, Alex Leatherwood was, was cut after one season. Uh, He was an offensive lineman from Alabama. And then the year before in 2020, Henry Ruggs killed a lady and uh, Damon Arnett was uh, threatening people on 
on Twitter or Instagram with guns and saying he was going to kill them. And so their past three first round draft picks have all been cut within a year of being drafted, which I think is, it's like, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. I'll, that's, that's I'll amazing. tell you one thing. Rugs may not be good at driving, but that dude was good at catching the football. So he I can't call, good I can't player. call that guy a bad draft pick other than the fact they maybe needed to have a psychologist come in and talk to him before they drafted him. Yeah. yeah I understood it at the time. Um, but it starts that up. But and then you start looking at it, go, maybe, maybe don't get your general manager and head coach from a TV show you're watching. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> throwing it out there. Maybe don't, you know, maybe let's stop treating celebrities like they have extra credibility and extra, um, you know, talent to perform tasks that maybe they don't. But that is something it seems like sports are doing is like someone is getting the color commentator job and then the next year they're becoming a coach. I mean, I just thinking off the top of my head, Urban Meyer did it, of course, with the Jaguars, which just was a colossal disaster. Aaron Boone was a Sunday night baseball guy, became the became the 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 manager of the Yankees. I mean, it happens everywhere. Everywhere. Well, really, what are we talking about? We're talking about an athlete who quits playing and Urban Meyer is a different situation, but if we're talking about Boone or really I don't know, the majority of Major League Baseball managers, they're guys that quit playing and then go, well, I don't have anything to do outside of the world of baseball, so I'll stick around. And that typically leads to a broadcasting job. And they're still sniffing around and they're still hanging out in the building. They're still finding a way to, you know, make inroads and get closer to the top. And, you know, they end up as coaches and general managers. And, you know, think about Matt Millen, how ridiculous that whole thing Oh, my God. That that was, well, do we blame him or do we blame the team that he went to? I blame the team that not even that he went to the team that kept him after it was failing and failing and failing. Yeah. I, um, I think it's difficult to go to that city and that ownership group and do anything. So he probably will never get another shot because they did keep him so long and his record yeah. is so bad, but I don't know that he necessarily was the problem there. I don't think anybody could be the GM for the lions and, and have success. Yeah. Keep but drafting wide receivers. <laughs> that that didn't weird, work out. Right? The, yeah. But the overall point is there are people who their football or baseball or whatever is their life. And then that ends because they can't physically do it anymore. And then they, you know, just grab for whatever else they can do because they don't have any other ideas. And next thing you know, you're the GM of a team or a coach of a team or a manager of a team, despite not necessarily being qualified. John, Matt, Gruden, John Gruden is probably one of the better coaches in the NFL and even from a GM perspective, because I believe he was the GM of the Raiders when he built that team and or maybe he wasn't because I think that may have been why he went to Tampa. But he built a team that went to the Super Bowl and he left a te- the team that went to the Super Bowl and went to the other team that beat that team in the Super Bowl. Right. So the guy's got a pretty good resume. But I understand what you're saying. The uh, the fact of the matter is that these draft picks also came under that uh, regime and they're getting rid of guys that were brought into that regime. I'm wondering if Leatherwood doesn't land somewhere and become not a, not a household name. He's a lot, an offensive lineman, but will he have success somewhere else? The bears, the bears picked him up. I okay. Think there was, you go. Yeah. The bears picked up. I mean, someone's gonna, he's, he, he could end up being fine, but it's just so to, to waste a first round draft pick three, three straight draft picks is just, I mean, that's just destroy. It could destroy your team, but I, I don't know. I picked the Raiders to win the AFC. I threw some money on the, the Raiders in the AFC. I to, like them. To get, year. to get back to your topic. Go ahead. What's that? The whole AFC. You picked the Raiders to win. The I AFC. picked the Raiders. I like the odds. I like, I yeah. just, I've always, them. you bet on them. I bet, the, I bet <laughs> on them. I, I threw, I threw 50 bucks on them to win the AFC. Okay. Yeah. With the to odds, win a couple yeah. thousand. 
Yeah, I like the odds. I like the odds. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't even yeah. want to try to rank how the West finishes. Like just one, two, three, four. I have no idea. They're all good. They're all yeah. good. And that's what I'm so. that's I mean, why I like the Raiders, is because if they just like win one or two games against good teams that they can beat, then they're gonna have a really good record because they're gonna beat the bad teams. And if they can just beat the Chiefs and some other team, and then they're they're, you know, got twelve wins. And I mean, they go. should all be close to three and three playing each other. Yeah, you would think. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm hearing people speculate that they could send all four teams to the playoffs, and that seems crazy to me. It just doesn't seem like there are enough wins in the pool to send four teams. Like, would they have to all be three and three to to make that possible? I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I wouldn't lose each other. I wouldn't want to try to pick that division. Unfortunately, mm. they're they're in in the NFL, and this is something that gets complained about a lot. A, a seven and and ten team could potentially make it as the winner of another division, which right. could keep that from happening. But four teams in the four teams out of one division to make the playoffs. I just think that it's a long season. Things happen. It's uh, the games get lost that shouldn't. I don't think that'll happen. But getting on your topic, Mike, Robert Griffin three comes to mind for me uh he didn't really have a chance going and playing for the shanahan boys who obviously didn't want him they kept him out there when he was injured and uh his career was derailed and he never turned into anything and he was so hyped up in washington so you are you're a washington football uh fan you think uh, the worst the, the, the commanders worst, I- the Commanders. I like the Washington football team. That's another. Uh, I like the Redskins. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Redskins are you. great too. Yeah. But I love the Wash. Like they got out of that with a great team name, and then they're like, let's make a horrible team name. It's the, the Indians with the Guardians. Like they had so many. They could have gone with the Spiders. The Guardians the make sense team. though, because if you've ever been to Cleveland, when you're driving in, they have a bridge have. and they have those yeah. guys guarding the city. And I mean, it makes and the jerseys yeah. look right with Guardians written out in the same font. So like, I was at a game a couple weeks ago, and it. I mean, it's hard to resist saying the old team name, but it looks the same. Like the vibe is the same. So I guess I was mad about that one at first. I had the solution for Washington because, excuse me. I go, don't you to go dying on us. No, not right now. Um, I get that Redskins wasn't a term that they should stick with, but I thought leave all the logo, leave the logo, leave everything the same and just switch it to Americans. Washington, America. All right. it's the capital. It's implied that we're saying Native Americans, but you don't have to say it. In fact, it, it bridges a lot of things. It simplifies everything. I think it would have been perfect. Somebody and would have hated it. I'm surprised someone doesn't everyone hate hates commanders. <laughs> yeah. But you you make American. a great you make a great point. I like that a lot. Being a I, fan, I would have loved that over commanders. I think it's unimpeachable. Like you say, somebody's going to hate it, but like, what's the argument against it? I don't know, but they'd come up with one. Believe me, I I've yeah, seen crazier yeah. things. Yeah, they, yeah, people argue everything. So Jeff's Jeff's least favorite uh, Washington Redskins pick is is Robert Griffin the third. Which I, if he didn't get hurt, I think it would have been fine. He, that was a nasty injury. Uh, they just were stupid with their turf. That was horrible. I remember watching that game. That was awful. Well, he shouldn't have been My, put back in, but they put but they put him back in so he could get injured because they did not want to use him. They drafted two quarterbacks <laughs> in that same draft. They wanted the other guy. Who's great now? Kirk Cousins. Elsewhere. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He likes throwing picks in the fourth quarter. But so as a Patriots, there's there's lots uh, of them, especially recently. But as a child, I remember Eugene Chung. I was not happy with an offensive tackle they drafted. I don't even know who they could have drafted instead of him. I'm actually looking, and um, I just remember you. Who's Eugene Chung? Why did they even? Even like the guys I remember, uh, Kuiper and all them were just like, why? I don't even. This guy wasn't even on the 
on the list of people to take. There weren't a lot of options as I'm just scanning that draft, but Eugene Chung was awful. But just recently, the the, the Patriots have had awful first round picks. I mean, you just had uh, they just got rid of Nikhil Harry, but at least Nikhil Harry was on the team for two, three seasons. He was awful, but at least he was on the team for a little bit. He would have been fine if Brady would have stayed. He's not the kind of guy that a, that a normal quarterback can be successful with. I don't think he, no, because I, Brady hated him right off the bat. Brady was, it was very vocal about, it wasn't vocal, but was just like, he's not, I'm not going to throw, throw him, him the ball. The ball. He <laughs> okay, never well, threw, they he never threw be, him the ball. He won't be good yeah. then. So in Buffalo, what was your what was your of your your entire forty seven eight years whatever however old you think you are what do you think your your worst Bills pick was? I've got a couple that stand out, but the the one is when they drafted. I, I want to say it was it was either oh one or oh two, and they had the fourth overall pick, and it seemed super obvious that um, they needed an offensive lineman, and Bryant McKinney was available. And that was kind of the talk. And then a story came out. And you know, from four months here, Mike, I think you have to understand the insecurity of Buffalo. Yes. This guy at some point came out and just said, I wouldn't want to play there because it's cold. And then everybody just turned against him and didn't want him because he said it was cold. He ended up going to the Vikings. And yeah, they had the boat trip and all that stuff. But he had a good career. The Bills took Mike Williams. Oh, I remember that. The, the guy from Texas. Yeah. Just a straight up bum. Um, who was bigger than McKinney, but hadn't said anything out loud about not wanting to play in snow. And I'm, I'm sure there were more factors there, but ultimately this was what turned out to be the last connection to the last decent era of Bill's football, which was that 90s Marv Levy. Marv Levy goes away. It becomes Wade Phillips. John Butler replaced Bill Polian as the general manager. And this ended up being, when you look back at it, John Butler looked like he was quitting. Like, almost like he didn't try. It was his last year as the GM of the Bills. He ended up not reaching an agreement with Ralph Wilson, and he went out and took over in San Diego. And a year removed, it looked like the San Diego Chargers GM was in charge of drafting for the Bills. You know when your buddy can't make it to the fantasy draft? Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. fill in for him, you're like, I'm not going to give you the best player. I mean, I'd, I'll give you guys that maybe are okay, but guys I wouldn't possibly take. And the whole list, it was like, Mike Williams was a disaster. Uh, they had... Corey Moore from Virginia Tech, who ended up getting shot in the offseason. <laughs> and like, and those were the two best ones. And then it was just guys that didn't make the team. Another more recent one, and when you miss the playoffs for 17 or 18 consecutive years, there are going to be a lot of these names that pop up. But the Bills passed on Rob Gronkowski in the second round. Who's from to, freaking to, Buffalo. Who's from here. Um, to take Terrell Troop, who is a defensive tackle from, I think, Central Florida. Um, who never turned into anything. One pick later, the Pats took Gronk, and then we had to deal with him for 10 years in a row or whatever it yeah. was. So those are a couple that stand out. But seriously, when you just keep missing the playoffs, it's horrible. When the Bills didn't get in 2004, we knew they needed a quarterback. And they just didn't get their hands on the Rivers and, and Manning went early. And then Roethlisberger went right before they were going to pick. So they just were like, all right, we're out. And they took Lee Evans, which I liked. He's a good player. He was He's a fine. Good guy. I liked him. Uh, wide receiver from Wisconsin. And then, and I was doing the broadcast on the air um, that day. And all of a sudden, we heard this little do do do. It's like the Bills have made a trade. They're back on the clock. And I just went, oh no. And it was because, and I knew for sure they were trading up to get JP Lossman. It's like, don't trade up to get JP Lossman. If you happen to wind up drafting him, so be it. Um, but that was a nightmare too, like giving up first round picks to move back into the first round. 
to get a guy who did, ended up doing nothing. In the Bills. That was my four months in Buffalo was every day we would have a conversation over who should the starting quarterback for the Bills be, J.P. Lossman or Kelly Holcomb. And at one point, I remember saying, uh, this is like we're debating if you want to die of AIDS or cancer. And there's no, why are we even like, who cares? My To sum up, uh, Buffalo Bills, my four months there in the quarterback, I was at a Friday's. I forgot where. It was near the stadium. There was a Friday's kind of near where I lived. And who was just sitting at the bar by himself but J.P. Lossman just at a Friday's by himself at the bar. No one was bothering him. And I'm just like, all I could think of, that was like after the Marshawn Lynch thing too, where he left and he was like making fun of Buffalo, going to like Friday's and Buffalo Wild Wings and stuff. And there's just J.P. Lossman just sitting there at the bar. And I kind of gave him the head nod and he gave me the head nod. He's like, yeah, I know this sucks. Like, it yeah, sucks. <laughs> like just, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. It's funny because when you said Fridays and near the stadium, I picture it's McGahee, not Lynch that you're talking about. McGahee went out with this like, um, you know, Buffalo sucks thing. Like, I don't know, they got a Fridays, they got a Dave and Buster's. Yeah. Oh, and then Lynch, but the ESPN did a thing with Marshawn Lynch where you went to all this. I bumped into. Oh, maybe this... once in that. I don't know. It's Here's right my favorite. This is my favorite. I can't believe I didn't even tell the story yet. My favorite Buffalo story is that I bumped into Willis and McGahee twice in the same day. Once at a Raymore in Flanagan, when me and my roommate were getting our reclining chairs, like for, like the the show Friends, we wanted to get matching reclining chairs, and he was with one of his baby mamas, many baby mamas, getting a lamp. And my buddy worked at, at the stadium, and so they kind of made eye contact because they recognized each other. Well, he knew who he was, but McGahey kind of gave him like a, I know you look. And so Greg goes up to him, and he's just like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I'm getting a lamp." And then that night. We go to a bar on Chippewa Street, and all the bills are there. And Marshawn Lynch, I mean, I'm sorry, Wilson McGay, he was there again. And he came up to us. He goes, how'd those chairs turn out? <laughs> We're like, great, man. They're great. And I'm like, you get that lamp? He's like, it's a fucking awesome lamp. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and then that was when lawyer Malloy went to the bills. And I went up to him, and I was like, hey, lawyer, huge Patriots fan. We miss, we'll miss you in New England. And he said, uh, F that, F New England, I'm a bill now. And then all I'd ever get in my four months was uh, calls about Laurie Malloy being drunk at Best Buy and stuff like that, trying to buy stuff. And I was like, huh, I guess that's why they got rid of him. But there was three calls I got about Laurie Malloy being drunk at like a Target, a Best Buy and whatever. And they're like, I want to go on the air with this. Like, I can't put you on the air to talk about Laurie Malloy being drunk at Best Buy. <laughs> But that was my time in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah great times. So bad draft picks, TGI Fridays. I mean, that sums up Buffalo in a nutshell. I don't know if we still have a Fridays. I don't I'm think sure so. Do. They seem to have disappeared. That's weird. Like uh, those chain, obviously pandemic changes a lot of things, but you just be driving by and, and restaurants are vanishing. And it's not just, you know, the mom and pop, whatever. It's just like, yeah, Applebee's decide they don't want to be in these six locations now or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. Well, Jeff, my uh, down in Orlando, my favorite Fridays was the one next to the Pirates Cove in um, Lake Buena Vista there. There's a Fridays right off of I-4. <clears throat> you know, the pi- there's like... The I know Mishra. exactly the one you're talking about, which surprises like me because one. we had a Fridays front row sports grill, yeah, which was a massive... Yeah, that's gone. Yeah, the, it's, it's gone. 
You're right, yeah, though. I, I don't know. The The Fridays may be gone here. Maybe that's just an era. Last thing. time I was there two, three years ago, it was still there. All right. Well, but, yeah. Hey, let's uh, I assume you're going to wrap this up there, Mike. Yeah, we need to wrap this All up. Right. We well, gotta get I to want before guy. before we go, Brad, I want to play a uh, game of over under roulette and you're going to be the judge and Mike and I are going to do uh, an over under roulette and I'm going to go with three. Mike, what do you go with? Of what? It's roulette. You gotta, you got oh, just, oh. just pick a number. Three, six, six. Okay, so over under, Brad. When Mike was in Buffalo, how many times a day did he mention the fact that he worked with Daryl Talley? Daryl Talley, I never heard. Terry really? Bowden, I heard a lot, a lot of <laughs> Terry Bowden stuff. Well, that's interesting because we we both worked with Daryl Talley quite a bit, and I figured when he was in Buffalo, he would never shut up about the fact that he knew Daryl Talley. No, I uh, I always talked about Daryl Talley. Maybe not with you, Brad, but because I'd always <laughs> want to get him on the show. And yeah. Shope was like almost upset that I had Daryl Talley's phone number and could talk to Daryl Talley. And he was like, no, we're not putting Daryl Talley on the show. I was like, how would you not want Daryl Talley on the show? And uh, yeah, Shope and I did not get along whatsoever. But um, yeah, he was he he was adamant about not getting Daryl Talley on the show, and I was just like, okay. Then yeah, never th- mind. there was a time in life where Mike and I could both call Daryl Talley our friend. Wow. Yeah, he wow. came when he got his number retired. I was trying to get in his booth. He got his whatever. He got in the wall of the wall of fame or whatever. And I was trying to go to, he was like, you can come to the game, but you can't get in my thing. I was like, all right, quickly. In what, way, in what way did you both work with Daryl? He was our guest on uh, our football Friday show at Friday's front row sports grill. He would come in and talk uh, NFL going into the weekend on our afternoon show. He lives here in Florida and has okay. a, what I believe is a pretty successful barricade business in Tampa. Nope. It, it ended up, it was successful and it, it ended up the guy, scammed him oh, he, he no. ended up losing a bunch of money off of it but at the time it was very successful and then as years went on it was not it, it, he ended up getting scammed so let me quickly tell this story i know we're we're running out of time here mike but uh you'll you'll appreciate the story brad and since he never mentioned daryl tally he never told you this story but we were at friday's front row one friday going into the football uh weekend and daryl was running a little bit late and then he shows up with uh, a friend, and the friend goes to the bar and grabs two Coronas and two Jägermeisters. And uh, Daryl Talley comes up to the stage. He's like, I brought my friend Jim Kelly to join us today. He's not going to come on air, but he's going to hang out for the whole show. So double fist and Coronas and Jägermeister shots. Jim Kelly sits right down at the table in front of us. Were you there that day, Mike? I wasn't, but I was supposed to drive. I couldn't get it out of Disney World. Right. So I, I couldn't get out of work. I was supposed to drive him around, though. Well, so that, far, your story checks out. So, by the way. so yes, I mean, I, I feel like Jim Kelly would admit that he came to Florida and, and had a few beers. But anyway, it's a three hour show and uh, hour one ends and uh, Jim's ready to go. So Daryl says, I can't leave. I've got two more hours to go. And he looks at me and he said, will you drive Jim back to his hotel? And I was like, Daryl, I'm in control. I'm the engineer. Like if I leave and something goes wrong, it's over. Well, unfortunately, Mike doesn't have this story, but our intern at the time, Cliff, has this story. Uh, Daryl said, what about him? And I said, he doesn't have anything to do. He can take him if you want to, but he, he rode with me and he's not taking my car. So Daryl Talley throws him his keys and Cliff and Jim Kelly leave the scene. And about two hours later, when we're wrapping up, Cliff is not back. And Daryl uh, seems to not be phased at the fact this kid took off in his car and has not shown back up. So I go to the bathroom to pee, 
and the host of the show comes with me and he's in the next stall and he goes, hey, go back out there and tell him that the intern wrecked his car and he's out front and he needs him to come out there and talk to the cops and give him the insurance information. So I go back to Daryl and I say, listen, Daryl, uh, Cliff wrecked your car and he's out front and he needs you to come out there. And he goes, nope. NFL rules. Jim Kelly took my car. Jim Kelly needs to have me a brand new car out front. I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> I was like, seriously? And he goes, yes. He goes, I'm not dealing with that. That's on Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly needs to handle that. And he said, tell your friend to go get Jim Kelly and bring it back. And Jim Kelly has to take care of it. I was like, I'm just kidding, man. He didn't wreck your car. So 15 minutes after the show's over, the kid comes back in and we're like, where in God's name have you been? And he said, Dude, there was a, an accident on I-4, and we were literally stopped for an hour. And he goes, but the crazy thing is that Jim had the windows rolled down, and he was singing all of the songs on the classic rock station at the top of his lungs. And everybody was looking, and he was like, I was so embarrassed until I realized the fact that he's like, wait a minute, I'm sitting in a car with Jim Kelly. <laughs> Why am I embarrassed? This is the most awesome thing. It was before cell phones had cameras right. or we would have awesome video of Jim Kelly going, don't stop believing. <laughs> but anyway, the end of the story is that he came back with the car. Everything was fine. It was a uh, pimped out Cadillac Escalade that he just threw the keys to this uh, nice car to our intern and the rest is history. Love it. Yeah, Jim Kelly, he knew how to party, my man. Well, Brad Ryan, thank you so much for uh, for for joining us with the news. Even though we didn't really talk about any news, we just relived Buffalo, which is if you if you can go on one family vacation this year, folks, go to Buffalo, New York. It is, yeah, it we is always a land people. of yeah, it is a land of, of uh, mystery and fun. There's a wonder but, uh, of the world. It is. It, there is a wonderful, wonderful it's world. Josh not in Buffalo. It's it's outside of Buffalo, but yeah. Well, once again, thank you so much, Brad Ryder. Right, uh, thank you so much, Jeff Taylor. We we had uh, Matt Vitor on from MassLive.com. Thank you so much, everybody, for for listening today. We love you all equally. Have a wonderful and glorious day, and ta ta for now. <laughs>